This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, Business Storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp. Thanks for joining me in another live stream recording of the Business Storytelling Podcast. And it looks like we're live again. Everything is going through Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. Thanks for watching on those channels. And if you are listening on the replay, so to speak, on those gazillion podcast channels, consider joining us on Twitter and LinkedIn, C-Trap uh, on Twitter and Christoph Trap on LinkedIn for future live streams. Always happy to have you on those channels if you like to. Today, we're going to talk to a guy I followed and I've known for... I, I'm not allowed to say a number of years anymore because then, then it makes us sound like we're all old. But I ran across him, I don't know, 10 years ago. He was, I think, in St. Louis or maybe on the East Coast. Then he went to St. Louis, then to the West Coast. No idea where he is now. Doesn't, I can't keep track of the guy. But he wrote the latest book, um, The End of Marketing. Of course, I have some questions for him. We'll bring him out of the, um, out of the green room here in a minute. Um, I have some questions because I see marketing messages everywhere. So how in the world can it be that marketing, it's the end of it? So let's bring him on here. Carlos Gill is today's guest. Carlos, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing, Christoph? Hanging in there for sure. It's been a long time. It has been a long time, but we can't say we're old because we don't feel old. <laughs> right? You're only as old as you feel, my man. You're only as old as you feel. Hey, you were still in the green room when you were holding up your book. Show, flash the book to, to people. There it is. This is it right here. It's the end of marketing. The end of marketing. And of course, you know, it, the, the link is also in the show notes. So we're not going to keep saying it out loud over and over and over because nobody remembers that anyways. But you can just click the link in the notes uh, and it's right there. And you can connect with Carlos as well on, on LinkedIn and other places, Twitter. So tell us about the book. Uh, end of marketing. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like it's the end of marketing, or maybe you're you have a different definition. Yeah, you know, so I think marketing has really been disrupted for for a while now, and the entire premise of the book, Christoph, end of marketing, is that today people are brands, and in order for brands to stand out on social media, they need to communicate and engage no different than people do. You know, when you look at you know different mediums that we use as personal brands and as thought leaders in the space, I think you and I might have maybe even connected uh, almost a decade ago in a Twitter chat, right? You see more people really leading the conversation, leading the way in social, whereas historically brands have always been noisy. They've always been advertisers in the space, and I think the pendulum has now swung back in a direction where people, everyday people. Uh, influencers, celebrities are the ones that hold the real power on these networks. And if brands want to really stand a fighting chance to 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 get engagement, to stand out, that they need to start making people the center of everything that they do. Um, the subtitle of the book on the marketing is humanizing your brand in the age of social media and AI. And, and the reason why it has that humanizing your brand subtitle is because for for brand historically, what they what they've been or what they are on social is a logo. It's a product. It's a service. You really don't know who's behind the brand. And, and I think these days, especially you know, with COVID, uh, you know, the social injustice movement that's happening here in the United States, you know, brands need to really start stepping from behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, I would love for the brands that I buy from 
to be an actual person that I can engage with as opposed to a just a logo. Um, and I use examples throughout the book. And the irony is that I wrote this book, obviously pre-COVID. It came out at the end of 2019. I wrote this book at the beginning of 2019. And the challenge with writing a book um, for those that are that are listening or watching that haven't written a book before is that you really don't want to write a book that's going to date the book itself. You want to write a legacy piece that the information will still be relevant to the, to the reader a decade from now. So I had to really start thinking of ways to make this, this book be relevant for a, 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 a 2030 audience, so to speak. And, and the irony in all this is that without having any knowledge that COVID would happen and our lives would completely be uh, turned upside down. Uh, a lot of folks have reached out to me throughout this year and they've asked me if I wrote this book right in the time of COVID or with having insight because there's so much that I share with readers about the importance of why you should humanize your brand and more importantly, how to turn advocates into your marketers, how to turn your employees into your biggest marketers. And, you know, again, this, this book right here, I'm gonna just flash it up one more time. It's really even become um, a, a marketing Bible, so to speak, for my new company that I launched over the last six months, Outlaw Masks. So um, that's about the book, um, 12 chapters, 240 pages. There's a lot of case studies in there. There's actionable how-tos. I think what really sets this book apart from other marketing books is, is first of all, as a marketer myself that comes from the corporate world, um, I give you actionable how-tos. Um, I give you keys that you can apply in your business, but I also, I'm a storyteller. And I think a lot of folks that know me as a personal brand, they know the storytelling aspect of, of, of myself more so than maybe even the corporate marketing side. Um, so the book was for me a really fun project to merge kind of both personas, if you will. You know, Carlos Gill, the brand personality, the influencer, along with Carlos Gill, the marketer, where, you know, throughout the book, um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you a story. I'm speaking to you. But at the same time, I'm teaching you as well. You know, so let's talk about the, the outlaw mask for a second. We had Jeannie Walden on the show and we had a, a fun discussion over mm -hmm. whether or not brands should create branded face masks. And she said, of course they should. Who wants to wear the disposable ones, which are the only ones I wear, quite frankly. I used to have an Iowa. Oh, come on. One. We got to change that. We got to change that, right? Uh, no style here. But, but here's the reality, Carlos. I leave the house like never. Like last year I flew like 150,000 miles. Mm -hmm. Now the furthest I go is to walk my kid to school and the other kid is doesn't even go to school is at home so literally i'm at home i don't even i wear a mask like i don't know 30 minutes a week do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com anyway so Jeannie made the point that Kids are not going to want to wear like the disposable mask. People don't want to wear that. They want to wear something more stylish. And what's interesting is mm -hmm. I, I noticed that here in my household, right? I'm the only guy here. My, my wife and my two daughters, they have branded face masks and they wash them. And now they have mm -hmm. a drying rack mm -hmm. just for masks. Who knew oh, that wow. was going to be a thing? You know, uh, I'm going to take some notes here. <laughs> that could be a future product for me to sell. Right. And they Dry put it up. Yeah, they put Someone it up. actually reached out to me recently and they suggested that we start selling bags to store mm -hmm. your face masks, um, which we actually working with our manufacturer, um, we had a bag design that we're going to just start including 
with all of our masks going forward uh, right around the holidays as, as kind of just something complimentary to throw in. Um, but I've also seen that now there are companies making like loops, kind of yeah. like loops that you would put on eyeglasses or sunglasses are companies now making loops for masks. So the mask oh. business, it's, it's a big business. Uh, it's a billion dollar enterprise. And, uh, you know, to your point, my brother-in-law and I, we, we, we saw the, the silver lining earlier this year when, uh, we were quarantined just like everyone else. And, you know, my speaking business and, you know, brand agency business kind of went by the wayside. You know, we saw an opportunity to pivot uh, and go in a different direction, you know, really early on. So, so how did that business come about though? What's the, what, how did, what's the story behind the name, I guess? You know, so I'll, um, if it's cool, I'll show yeah. you some of our prints right here and I'll show the audience. So, you know, the, this is Outlaw Masks. These mm -hmm. are three of our colors. Um, as you can see, if you're a sports fan, this color is the colorway of the Miami Dolphins. We've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we have the the Miami Heat alternate colors of the um, what's called Vice City. Um, so our masks themselves, you know, when you compare it to a paper mask right here, as you can see, this is a product that people are going to want to wear. This, unless unless you're you, Christoph, this isn't something <laughs> people really want to want to wear on their face. Um, our mask the design of it is intended to be not just provide safety, but also provide comfort. So it stretches out, it's neoprene material. It's got a strap that goes around the back of your neck instead of around your ears. Um, it is, it does have a filter inside the mask as well. Um, and then the style itself, right? We have different colorways. Uh, we started off initially with offering 10 colorways. Uh, we now have 32 new, new colorways rolling out called the Repio City Collection. Uh, by the end of this year, we're going to have over 100 SKUs on our website. So the business is growing. Now, your question around how did it start um, was real simple. Um, my brother-in-law and I, we were quarantined in the house in North Carolina mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of March with, with our families. We didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. So we decided, you know what, let's just pack up a couple cars. Let's go to the mountains. Let's wait this out. Um, and it, throughout this process, we weren't working. Right. I'm a speaker, author, media thought leader. Well, once business got put on hold for everyone, then I wasn't earning a living like I was used to earning. Um, neither was my brother-in-law who worked in the automotive industry. So we really started thinking of different different products to sell. And I'll be frank with you. The marketing industry started to hop on PPE very quickly. I was approached in a matter of like a couple of days. I was approached by, I can't even tell you, a dozen or so people that I personally know in this industry that are authors and speakers also that have agencies that are like, Hey man, get on this PPE train with me, you know, promote PPE and I'll give you a cut. And, and honestly, I found it to be a little cheesy, right? Like there are people that come at us saying that we are taking advantage of the pandemic or profiting off of the pandemic. Um, but yet what I found to be kind of cheesy or along the lines of profiting off the pandemic is all of a sudden sending emails to, let's say, 100,000 people offering to buy latex gloves in bulk, right, or paper masks. That's something that, for me, didn't really align with my brand or, or just, you know, with my business ethics um, or who I am. So that did, though, plant the seed. And I planted a seed around what's going to happen next. And I think mm -hmm. the mark of a good entrepreneur is having enough forward-thinking ability to be able to kind of spot a trend before it becomes a trend. Yeah. So when we came up with the idea for outlaw masks, we're talking about right around middle of March. So if you, if you recall the dates for, as a country, we really weren't on a lockdown until the end of March. 
So we started we started forecasting that at some point masks are probably going to become required and be a part of our everyday lives. And the reality after doing research is there really wasn't anything that existed that was fashionable or stylish. It was again, PPE, the paper masks, the construction looking masks, right? So we yeah. being, you know, two, you know, younger gentlemen in our 30s that like fashion. My brother-in-law is from LA. I'm from Miami. We both like streetwear and urban fashion and hip hop music. We started thinking, what would be appealing to an audience that when they buy a pair of Air Jordans is buying a matching outfit? Everyone wants to move their content from happening to performing, and it's possible. Check out my latest book with the latest tips and tricks and advice on how to establish that content performance culture. It's possible. The book is available at contentperformance.online. What would we create that a female can match her mask with her handbag? And that's where the idea for outlaw masks really came. Um, and we worked quickly, you know, and this is why I say to folks that ask me, how were you able to pivot so quickly mm -hmm. in and out of marketing into something else? Well, first of all, when you're a marketer, you're not just a social media marketer, or a digital marketer, or a public speaker. You should understand how you can market products across the board. Right. And, you know, if anything, this has been a really fun exercise for me because throughout my career, I've had an opportunity to work at a corporate level for brands. I've had an opportunity to build my own brand, but this is the first time in my career where I've actually had to create a product, a consumer product, and build a brand from the ground up. And for me, it's been a, just an awesome exercise. Like, forget the monetization aspect of it. It's just been really cool going through, you know, research and development and, you know, building a site and working in procurement and sourcing materials and just designing goods. Like, that in itself, for me, has really, like, helped me sharpen my expertise yeah. um, more so before. But you know, again, we worked quickly. And when you're not working and you're quarantined, you will find a way to come up with something very quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's what we did. Within 30 days, we launched our company, Outlaw Masks. And, you know, the I don't want to say the rest is history because we're on a we're on an upward growth trajectory. But, you know, we've got NBA players wearing our masks now. We have, you know, guys across the NFL that have been reaching out to us to get masks. Um, it, it's just been an incredible what feels like a very fast overnight ride. It's, it's probably not a bad idea for marketers to sometimes dip into product development anyways, because, you know, sometimes we, I think marketers, oh, oh, marketing is great, but the product sucks. That's why mm -hmm. nobody buys it. So you can't even say that because it's your product, right? You created it. So um, certainly that's an interesting, uh, interesting way to get it out there. It sounds interesting to put it around your, your head. I haven't seen that. Usually you put it around your ears. Um, so very interesting. Um, yeah, let me show you. Just like this. Yeah, nice. Hadn't seen that before. So I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you, you know, I don't. It doesn't feel like you're capitalizing on a pandemic. Uh, but some of these brands out there, Carlos. I mean, I got, I don't know, eight hundred twenty-nine emails telling me how we're in this together. Um, they want to just check in on me. I'm serious. My my wife doesn't even check in on me that often. Right. I mean, like, what is going on? Are these people on the right track to humanizing their brand, connecting with people? Or was it just 
what was that the wrong strategy? How do brands get going? How how do they humanize uh, what they do? You know, that's that's the thing. I think I think it's really easy for a brand to send out an email to your entire CRM or to your entire email list. That's 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 easy. Um, and I'll give you an example of a brand that kind of struck me the wrong way um, a few months ago when you saw the, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter or social justice movement here in the U U.S. really, you know, become heated and people were taken to the streets and protesting and in some cases looting. A couple of the stores or a couple of the brands that were at the forefront of this were stores like Target stores like Nordstrom's. And I'll be frank with you, Christoph, I, I thought it was in poor taste for a brand in the year 2020 that they're going to make a statement on such a serious issue. And they just send out a tweet that felt lifeless. It, it had no emotion whatsoever. Um, I want to say it was with Target. It, it was literally just a, 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 an image with like a black backdrop and just text from the CEO. And those are the things I say to myself, like, come on, man, like, you mean to tell me the year 2020, a CEO to a company doesn't have the ability to go on their iPhone and record a quick video of what comes from the heart? Like, that's what I mean about humanizing your brand. People, consumers are tired of corporate rhetoric, corporate BS. And look, and I know how this works from working on the inside of, of companies. When, when crises happen, you get the social team in a room with your corporate communications department, with your PR agency, and everyone is kind of throwing ideas out there in terms of how to respond, how to engage. And it's the most stale process, because again, I'm, I'm speaking from the heart, from experience, you're removing all emotion from the, from the situation. And you go from like, hey, this is what we should do, and it feels good and feels right to like, once legal gets involved, no, this is what we're gonna say, and this is how we're gonna say it and stale and emotionless. And, and, and again, I think this is gonna be the detriment of a lot of brands, especially as Generation Z starts getting a little older, a little wiser. Um, and now we start seeing this convergence between Gen Z and millennials and, and, and Gen X and baby boomers all using these mediums. The brands, they've already started to be tuned out by consumers, but you're gonna start seeing even more consumers tuning brands out. And I think as marketers, we're the most critical of brands because what do we do for a living? We help brands succeed on social media. So when you see brands that don't do a good job, you kind of call it out. But you know, I think again, relying less on the email, um, relying less on, on, on corporate blanket statements and actually doing a better job listening, doing a better job engaging with people. Um, you know, how many times have you messaged a brand through, through DM, right? And they don't get back to you, right? Or when they do, it's days later. And then you just feel like I really don't matter to this company. And, and again, that's that's really the culture that I want to change in marketing is what I write about in this book. Then the marketing is everything that we've done to this point got us to this point, but it's not going to get you the next 10 years. Like you got to understand, okay, having the content calendar and posting X number of times a day. The reality is that now you're trying to continue to grow and build your business on rented land, which are the social networks. They have algorithms. These social networks are billion-dollar publicly traded companies. They have zero interest in helping you build your business for free. So you have to really get down to the bare bones of the basics of what is going to make people want to engage with your brand. And it's not the, the lame corporate rhetoric. Um, so a couple of different things. First of all, the process. Let's talk, let's talk about that. And then the next question after that, 
Uh, let's talk about why does it matter? I mean, I'm, I'm even when I think about the processes, Carlos, I've been in those meetings. They're terrible. They're even worse on Zoom. I mean, seriously, you know, now we're talking about, oh, this idea. And then I did actually have Adam Morgan on the show, and he's an executive creative director at uh, Adobe. And he said, Adam, it drives me crazy when I have to put up um, sticky notes, you know, on the wall with my alleged ideas. And he said, that's not how you brainstorm anyways. You know, go in, go into your right. room, go think about it, come back, and you can share your ideas and you can throw them out. And then you think about it some more. Um, but we have all these processes. They're just like, put you in your place. Let's have this. Mar- that, let's come up with marketing crap, marketing gobbledygook. I mean, that's really what happens a lot of uh, times. I, I- I think you have you have different people within organizations. And you bring up such a good point. You have different because this has become kind of like my hypothesis, if you will. Again, I've worked at four different brands as head of social. I've worked, you know, as a consultant for a lot of different brands, even as an influencer, right? Like, I I, I enjoy the the gig, so to speak, of doing an influencer campaign because I'm being hired as a talent, right? You're not hiring me for my expertise. You hire mm-hmm. me as a talent, and now I kind of observe some of the different pitfalls and. You know, I try to kind of advise the agency that's being hired by this billion dollar company and probably paying them a lot of money to then go off and like manage talent, tell them what to do. And, you know, I see such a disconnect today. And what happens is you have people of so many different layers of organizations that have their own end game. Okay. And I'll be frank with you. And this, this is just, I'm going to say it out there. I think you have a lot of people that marketing or marketer in their title, but they're really not marketers. They're order takers. Or they're people that like to give direction, give orders, but they're not really marketers. You know, I think some of the best marketers at the corporate level and the agency level are the ones that when they clock out of their job at five or six o'clock at night, they're going on Twitter, they're networking, they're reading TechCrunch, they're staying in the know of what's happening. They're bringing ideas to the table, but, but because the people above them in the organization doesn't have a presence on social media because they're not educating themselves and they just already kind of feel entitled and that they made it because they have a, a, a nice cushy title and a salary to a company, they don't really feel like they had to buy into the ideas of someone else. And you know, so that struggled with throughout my career, right? When I was more at the at the bottom level and kind of trying to grow and scratch and claw my way up. Um and I and I see this happen even as a speaker where, you know, and you're a speaker too, how many times do you do a keynote or you do a presentation, right? And you have people coming up to you left and right and they're saying, Oh man, I would love for you to talk to my boss. Right. I'm sure you've heard that before. All the I've time. All the time. Countless so, times. So the order taker thing, though, I mean, it, it can be hard, right? Because you've got people who who are in charge and they come to you and they say, I want this and this and this. My favorite one, Carlos, is when people say, hey, I need some content. And I say, for what? And they say, oh, I don't know, content for this client. I'm like, what does the client do? What are we doing? Right? And it's like they're not even giving good orders. They're just giving, um, you know, crap so it's it's very very frustrating um but let's get back to quickly you mentioned the being human and not using um corporate rhetoric and the one that came to my mind mm-hmm. when you said that is i I'm, I'm a frequent flyer used to be at least last year 150,000 miles i know you were too when the whole thing happened with united right they dragged the guy off the airplane and there it was just a disaster how they responded mm. publicly Right. I mean, their their news releases, I don't have them in front of me here, but they read like marketing gobbledygook, like somebody literally, you know, I mean, you know, it threw up. Right. I mean, for real. Right. But 
here's the thing. There's so much stuff has happened since. Now, you and I still remember that, right? Um, so mm -hmm. I guess from that perspective, it stands out in my mind. And I still remember most details while I don't remember any word. But on the other side, I can hear people already at home here. They're arguing, well, but Christoph, the news cycle, it's so fast. People will forget if I don't do something today or if I have a crappy response. Who cares? Like, why does it care even in these so fast news cycles? It, you know, I'm, I'm having such a good time, Christoph, with, with my new endeavor with Outlaw Mask because I'll be frank with you. My brother-in-law, who's my co-founder and I, are able to operate at what we call Godspeed. And what Godspeed is, is it's literally speed lightning. We have an idea, boom, we're off to the races. It might be a bad idea, but we're implementing, we're trying it, right? And, you know, I'll give you just a, just, just an example. We started a couple weeks ago doing these TikTok lives where we're listening to rap music and we're just having a good time vibing with our audience. And let me tell you something, we could do a live for an hour and sell a couple thousand dollars with the masks. It's crazy. <clears throat> and I say this to my brother, imagine for a moment, if like Nike or, or Under Armour or any big brand actually did this, how much more money and engagement they could, they could get? And the key is that small businesses can move at that God speed, whereas big brands will never be able to because they're always going to have that gatekeeper or a big team or governing body, if you will, that says, well, you can't do this because it's off brand or this has to be vetted by legal. And, you know, I, I really worry for the big brands. I really shouldn't even say worry, because uh, they'll figure it out. But I, um, I, I, I say this loosely because if big brands don't start sounding more human and do the things that everyday people are doing, they will be weeded out. And mm -hmm. we will start seeing less and less brands on social media. Um, and you have to think about the economics of this, right? Especially where we're at right now at this point in time in history. You know, a lot of big corporations have gutted their marketing teams, gutted. They're working on skeleton crews. Mm -hmm. You've got a person in the comms department that now is doing social media, community management on the weekends. You've got someone in PR that's chipping in, right? Like they, they've been gutted, you know? Um, and with that being said, social media is now being looked at even more as an afterthought, but yet it's not going away. Now you have more people that are jumping in. Now you have more people that are reaching out and finding out, are your stores open? What safety measures are you taking? You know, customer service issues. So um, I think what you're going to see is you're going you're gonna to have brands probably make very difficult business decisions to probably get off altogether or just use social media for straight up advertising. Oh, I hope, I hope not. But I mean, you're correct. I mean, some of the, so I fly American Airlines when I'm actually flying somewhere, you know, and that's how I talk to them in DM. I mean, we have like years yeah, of DM thanks. history talking, hey, can you put me on this flight? Oh, yep, you're booked. Head on over to the gate, whatever, right? It's like, it's so uh, different. And I, I hear you on the legal, but I do have to say every once in a while I run into legal teams. Um, they do a fantastic job. I mean, there's been some big brands I've worked with, legal reviewed it. And their questions that they ask, they were really like, I'm like, wow, this is actually a really good editor. <laughs> Has nothing to do with legal, yeah. right? They just want to have a source. The other thing, and I, guys, I threw this up at the bottom here on the live stream. Live stream with switcherstudio.com. Trap one if you want to use it. First month is off where they have two weeks free. I love live streams, Carlos. And one reason I do is because we are our authentic selves, Right. I mean, we can fake it a little bit, quite frankly, but it's really hard when we're talking here for 40 minutes 
if I'm a jerk, at some point that jerkness comes through, right? Uh, it's really, really hard to fake it for that long. Um, so the reason I'm bringing that up, I don't think I'm a jerk, but I, I, I like how it helps people learn how to be authentic publicly. So when I get CEOs on here, when I talk to people or I help clients do uh, live streams and podcasts, you know, they have to be, they have to know what they're talking about. They have to be authentic. They have to know how to carry on a conversation. Do you, is that one way do you think we can help those brands get there and get the CEO, sit down, talk to me about this topic, man or woman or gal? Yeah, I think you just got, you just got to let the, let the guard down. You know, it's really, especially on live video, right? You have to let the guard <clears> down because it, again, I've seen this happen throughout the years. It's a classic case where, a CEO or CMO gets invited onto a podcast and now you got corporate comms involved and PR involved. And, you know, the reality is that when you go out and, you know, I smoke cigars, right? When I go out and smoke a cigar with the C-suite executive, the way that we're having a conversation is not the same way that I would, I'm sure, hear you speak if you're being interviewed by Bloomberg, right? Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just life. That's how it goes. Right. So I, I think, again, in these times that, it's okay to let your guard down. I think people expect that, you know, hell, most of us are working from home. Um, You know, I don't think you're going to think any less of someone because they're not necessarily wearing their corporate avatar gimmick. Um, I think on the contrary, people want to see and they want to feel that realness bleed through the computer screen. Um, So uh, that's, 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 that's my thoughts. Kids walking in, even though I have some tips and I like to share this, Carlos, so right back there are the steps to my office, right in the door. So when my kids walk in, they really have to be right here before you see them. So there's been many times when you, when they're over there yeah. yelling at me for some reason, but you can't see them or hear them yet because I'm on mute. So there are tips and tricks, but nobody cares if my cat jumps up. Who cares, no cares. about it, right? No it's one cares. I've, I've done I've done now you know probably a hundred of these you know video podcasts since the pandemic and I've had my kids walk in, you know, I've got smaller kids. They walked in. Yeah. That's what makes you human. And that's what makes you relatable. Uh, I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops right now. Is anyone going to think anything less than me? Cause I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops in my house. I did an influencer campaign, for example, and the brand client wanted me to dress up to take photos in my own house. And I said, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's very authentic. Because <laughs> yeah, that's inauthentic, right? right. Like, I'm in my house. This is right. my new uniform. I'm wearing, you know, uh, swim trunks and flip flops at home or basketball shorts. That's how I dress now. I haven't had to, to wear a, a blazer since March of this year. Um, and that's not just me. That's everyone. So, you know, I think there's something to be said. And, and again, I share this kind of going back to, to the book. You know, I share this throughout the end of marketing. I share this in my talks. If you follow my content closely on social media, it's what I say all the time. What makes you real and relatable is really what makes you marketable. And there's something to be said about that. So when you talk about humanizing, though, I mean, can we still have branded accounts like Think the Logo? Or do we need people? Do we need a face? And I know some brands have done that, right? They have like Hootsuite Jan or whatever. Um, does it have to be a person or can we have a brand that's human? I, I think we need to have a person. You know, I, I relate more to people. And, and people relate to people. They they trust from people. Um, again, I think going forward, we will probably start seeing, you know, your Whole Foods, your Taco Bells, your Coca-Colas, you know, your big brands are looking for ways to growth hack the system, so to speak. 
start using people and it might not even be a branded account of of that company it might be a person that works at the company that now wears the apparel and they might disclose in their bio um that they work for that company but imagine if now i work for you know i don't know let's just say nike mm-hmm. so you see in my bio that i work for nike but all the content on my account is about nike right now it's a different delivery than just seeing the nike check or seeing carlos at nike now you're seeing who i'm as a person working out at the gym at sporting events constantly rocking nike gear rocking our newest stuff when when the shoes come in when the outfit comes in right i'm kind of showing you giving you a first first glance at it right that's a different delivery than if it's you know christoph at nike or carlos at nike and they're like ah man this is basically a brand account that's speaking to me yeah so Does that makes sense it, it makes sense so i'm just thinking i i think i tweeted this the other day and and i actually caught a brand doing this um and they were using a real testimonial apparently but then they used the stock art image of a woman and i mean can do you think Awful. <laughs> <laughs> like Awful. just use her a picture like she already gave you permission that's lazy marketing <laughs> can you see brands i mean are some brands going to do that they're going to just make up an account and say hey this is whoever you know chris and have some random picture of some person um no but you know i'll even tell you something that we're doing with outlaw masks um you know kind of fill you in on a little growth hack if you will so we have a lot of ugc Right. When, yeah. when you receive one of our masks, we send you a card that that basically gives you gives you instructions on, you know, take a photo and share it with us. And it's on our websites. It's, it's in a lot of different places, email confirmations that you get. So we have a lot of UGC um, around our brand and like the really good, high quality photos. We actually turn to Facebook ads. And what we do is we write our Facebook ad copy in first person point of view. So instead of the ad being written as the brand, we're writing it in the tone of the person that you're seeing. Yep. Very cool. Um, take take heed of that. Try that, guys. Of course, first you got to get the product in the hand of people, and first they want to be willing. The product, they got they want to be willing to take a photo. But remind them. I do it all the time. You know, I ask people all the time when they when I know they got my book. Uh, would you please consider leaving a review? You know, if I know they listen to the podcast. The other day I was talking to them and they said, oh, we love content performance culture. Immediately I sent them a thank you email, right? And I said, hey, could you, would you please leave a review? I didn't even know they had read it, right? Until I talked to them. So always right. do that. Carlos, it was great to touch base with you. Hopefully people check like out the, the end of marketing available on Amazon. Carlos Gill, you can um, find it on there. Some of these channels have the link, YouTube, uh, Twitter, doesn't carry it over, unfortunately, but uh, end of marketing on Amazon, you can check it out. Carlos, thanks again for catching up. Nice to see you again. Thanks for the opportunity. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Until next time.